actually filmed in Kenya. And the first time I went to Kenya was in 2002. So that's 16 years ago. I was a little bit taller. I was a lot smaller. And um, I had just quit smoking weed and drinking alcohol right before I went on this trip. And so I don't know if you've ever done those things or if you've ever quit doing those things. But you go through like a little bit of a draw, right? And so I am in the middle of a country that I've never been to before. And I'm literally in the middle of the bush. Like the nearest grocery store for food is hours away. And we had to travel down this dirt road. And here I am and I'm with 11 other people that I do not know. I've never met them before in my entire life. And so I'm there for two months. I'm hungry. We've got to like chase down our dinner at night. And there was a girl on our team who was a vegetarian and she's like pro animals. So every time we would chase an animal and kill it, like she had a meltdown and so I'm torn. I'm like, man, I'm really starving and I want to eat this stew, but my friend is crying. So I'm like, you know, let me chew some gum after I eat dinner so she doesn't smell the meat breath, you know? And I'm like, hey, are you okay? Like, you know? And so it was this like totally cross-cultural experience. And it was the first time, the first time that I ever fell in love with teaching. And here's why. They basically threw me into a first-grade classroom with 65 children who knew no English, I knew no Maasai. And some of those kids you just saw dancing in that video are kids that I got to work with. And so it was my job, without a translator, without a degree, without really an education, to teach 65 children. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. If you've got to teach someone, you don't know their language, they don't know your language, how exactly do you accomplish that? Jesus. Jesus, yes. Good answer, but how else? Google. Google, okay, but here's the problem. At the time, I didn't own a cell phone, and <laughs> there would not have been, like, cell phone reception there anyway. Like, there are monkeys and gorillas in my backyard. No joke. Here's what happened. How many of you have seen the movie Sister Act 2? Okay, I'm aging myself because that's five of you. Basically, this lady becomes a nun and she's the choir teacher and so she has a group of students and she turns them into a choir. And so I had this not so brilliant idea to take my 65 first graders and turn them into a choir. And we would travel around to the other classrooms and we would sing songs. They would sing songs on my side. I would try to teach them songs in English. And uh, that's how we rolled with it. And what you just saw is a competition that they do every year. And, and they tell stories through music. They tell stories through dancing. They don't have TVs. They don't have internet. They don't have computers. I know, it's shocking. They don't have refrigerators. They don't have stoves. So for dinner, if you want to cook meat for your dinner, you, you do it over an open fire. And they walk everywhere. Oh my stars, they walk everywhere. And that's the Maasai tribe that you saw. Everyone say Maasai. Maasai. So it's one people group or one tribal group in the nation of Kenya. But how many nations are there on the continent of Africa? A lot. There's a lot, right? I don't know, but there's a lot. And, and for every nation, there's lots and lots of tribal groups. And so that's where we're at tonight. Last week, um, hold on, let me find my clicker. 
Last week, uh, Mike talked to us about the power of choice. And uh, tonight, this is where we're at. You and I, we are all given the opportunity to make a choice. Either you will spend your life trusting and following Jesus, or you won't. It's that simple. It's as simple as choosing to stand up or sit down. You either choose to follow Jesus or you choose not to. And you know what? The last several weeks, God has done incredible things here. Because I've seen a lot of you kneeling at the cross. And I've seen you crying. And I've seen you repenting and telling God you're sorry and saying that you want it to be different. And sometimes what happens is when we make a decision for Jesus, it's great at the moment and we're excited and we're inspired and we're motivated and we're going to go change the world. And then we go home and the same crap happens. And then we kind of check out. We kind of lose our motivation and our energy for Jesus because we're like, man, I'm not so sure that that really happened. I'm not so sure that I really want to follow Jesus. But a lot of you have chosen to do that. We've decided to dive all into this Jesus thing. So here's the plan. This is the what. There are two goals of your life. Everyone say two goals. The first goal is this, to know and follow Jesus all the days of your life. I did not just say to know and follow Jesus on Monday nights at House of Faith. Our prayer, our desire for you is that you would know and follow Jesus all the days of your life. And the other is this, to make Jesus known to the ends of the earth. Everyone say evangelism. Evangelism. Now, I want to tell you guys, um, I pissed some of my friends up here. They're not really my friends. I'm just kind of pretending tonight. But pretending is fun. Uh, the first one, who, who knows who that guy is? Can you even see? Which guy? This, this uh, with the beard right here. Anyone know who that is? Paul. Paul, yeah. What do we know about Paul? He used to do what to people? Kill. He was a killer, right? He was a murderer. The Apostle Paul. And here's what else we know about the Apostle Paul. He was a murderer. But Paul, who was once called Saul, had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ that would change his life forever. And God rescued Saul, and God saved him, and Saul chose to believe and chose to repent, which means to say, I'm sorry. And so God changed Saul's name from Saul to Paul. And Paul was one of the first ever missionaries. A missionary is someone that oftentimes travels to a distant place to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now here's what you need to understand. If you believe in Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you choose to follow Jesus, it is 100% your responsibility to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Those of you talking, look at me. Don't miss out. It is your responsibility. If you have something good, if you have a gift, what do you want to do? You want to tell everyone, right? Pass my star test. Man, got a new cell phone. Oh, check out my new car. We're moving. We got a new house. I got this new boyfriend. I got this new girlfriend. If you have good news, you want to tell people. So here's my question for you. How come every week we don't see new faces at House of Faith? Don't answer. I want you to think about it. How come you don't bring your friends to House of Faith? How come you're not at school telling people about Jesus? 
Because what y'all do, a majority of you, is you treat House of Faith like a buffet. You say, I'm going to come to House of Faith on Monday night, and they're going to teach me, and they're going to pray for me, and they're going to encourage me, and we're going to sing songs, and I'm going to eat some pancakes. But then you don't do anything with it. You don't do anything with it. Paul was the first missionary. The next person, her name is Gladys Aylward. She was a British evangelical Christian missionary to China. Here's the story, true story. You ready? The half-starved Chinese prisoners in Yangcheng were rioting. In the center was a man with a large, bloody kitchen meat cleaver. All were shouting. Several men had already collapsed on the ground, mortally wounded. The warden called to Awada, which is the nickname for this Gladys lady. Go in and stop them. The woman known to foreigners by her English name, Gladys Aylward, stood trembling at the entrance. Why me? She gasped. The warden challenged. You tell us your God is all-powerful. Is he or is he not? He is, she declared, seeking to bolster her courage as she stepped into the sandy courtyard. But only through the help of Jesus will I prevail for the gospel of God in our Bible states, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. One pair of eyes after another eyed the foreign devil. Hardly imposing a whisper-thin woman about 30 years of age, standing four foot tall, four foot ten inches tall. Gladys spoke to the man with the cleaver with unexpected authority. Give me the cleaver, she demanded. So I just wanted to say it like that. I don't think she said it like that. I think she was probably scared, you know. She, she was probably like, give me the, give me, excuse me. Get, come on, get me the cleaver. <laughs> this is like trying to get your guys' cell phones from you on Monday night, man. Y'all be texting, we're like, hey, give me the cell phone. You're like, well, I got no cell phone. And then we got to go all coastal crazy and be like, give me the cell phone. <laughs> right? this Chinese dude who's already killed people. He's got a cleaver with blood dripping off of it. And she says, give me the cleaver. And the guy with the cleaver swung and killed her. Just kidding. That's not what happened. I love plot twists. Man, I got you guys. Get on that one. That's not what happened. It says this. Astonishingly, he did The man handed her the cleaver. She was a missionary. She loved Jesus. And she not only loved Jesus, but she traveled to tell the world about Jesus. Stopping a crazy guy with a big knife from killing anyone else. One day, she was visited by the local man held in the highest honor He asked that she assist him by becoming his foot inspector, making sure that the new laws against the ancient custom of female foot binding were being complied with. Translation, homegirl is in China to tell people about Jesus, and a big dude who everyone's scared of is like, "Um, excuse me, you're going to help me inspect people's feet. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't like feet. And uh, (laughs) most people don't. But you know what she said? She said, okay. And so she met all these women and she looked at their feet. 
But she didn't just do her job. She told people about Jesus while she did her job. Sometimes we sign up to do things for Jesus, not realizing what it will cost. I can't tell you how many times in the last 10 years I've said this. Jesus, I didn't sign up for this. You know what he says? Oh, yes, you did, Sarah. Yes, you did. When you were 11 years old at Camp Allendale in Trafalgar, Indiana, Tara, you said, Jesus, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And what, and what that has meant is that sometimes I get cussed out by you. Sometimes that means I've got to deal with a difficult student who's hurting and angry. Sometimes that means that we're on our way to camp and someone throws up in the middle of the night and I've got my gag reflex going and i got to get up and clean up that barf, man. I didn't exactly sign up for that, but Jesus says all the time, Tara, yes, you did. And when you choose to follow Jesus, when you choose to surrender your life to him, he will ask you to do things that are hard. Do you think Gladys wanted to inspect people's feet? Do you think there was any glory or honor in that? But she did it because she saw it as an opportunity to bless Jesus. She would work with orphans. She led over 100 orphans to safety over the mountains, even though she was injured herself. Over the years, little groups of believers began worshiping, gathering, praying, studying the word. The next one, Eric Liddell. Maybe you've heard of him. He was a Scottish Olympic gold medalist runner. He was an international rugby player, and he was a Christian missionary. Translation, Liddell loved Jesus. Liddell believed in Jesus, and Liddell wanted to spend his life telling anyone and everyone he could about Jesus. At the 1924 Summer Olympics in Paris, France, Liddell refused to run in the heats for the 100 meter race simply because they were held on a Sunday. Liddell refused in the Olympics to run his best event where he was guaranteed to get gold. He refused to run simply because it was on a Sunday. You know what that tells me? He must have owned a Chick-fil-A somewhere. <laughs> Just play Man, y'all are a tough crowd tonight. Gee whiz. Could help a friend out, you know. What it tells me is this. Liddell loved Jesus more than he loved himself. Everyone say Liddell. Liddell loved Jesus more than he loved himself. Okay, I want you to think about this for a second. I'm going to say time out. I'll wait for you. I'm wondering tonight if that could be said about you and me. Because if I'm being honest, I love Tara more than I love Jesus today. And I'll tell you why. I didn't want to get up. So I hit snooze, I hit snooze, I hit snooze until I missed my Bible reading time. There's no excuse for that. What that means is that Tara loved Tara more than she loved Jesus this morning. And that is wrong. That is wrong. I, I couldn't say that with myself tonight. 
And, and maybe you're like me. Maybe if you're being honest deep down inside, you love yourself way more than Jesus. Isn't it shocking how much time we spend looking at ourselves? I mean, think about it. The time in the mirror, the selfies, the Snapchat. we got to try out all 39 filters. The pictures. You know why we don't know who Jesus is? Because we don't look at him. We're, we're too busy making gods of ourselves. I mean, to be an Olympic athlete, that would be, that would be unbelievable. That would be incredible. And he was guaranteed to win. And he didn't run simply because the race was on a Sunday. Does God say don't run on Sunday? No. But did, who did Liddell love more in that moment? I wonder if that could be said of me and you tonight. Liddell went on and he remained in China until his death in a Japanese civilian internment camp in 1945. Translation, he died because he loved Jesus. And we can't even get y'all to stand up on a Monday night for worship without putting up a fight. I'm going to just cut to the chase. I don't have time tonight to sugarcoat it with you. We, we can't get you guys to come in here and quit your cussing. Liddell loved Jesus so much that he died for him. And all we care about is getting our new cool house of faith shirt at Christmas. All we care about is how many songs we have to sing or don't sing. Or what's for dinner. Or who our band driver is. Because we're selfish. And we make little gods of ourselves all the time. You are not God. You will never be. Stop fronting like you are. Last but not least, Elizabeth and Jim Elliott. Incredible story. In 1953, Jim and Elizabeth married in Quito, Ecuador, and continued their work in that nation. They went to school together and met each other there. They were missionaries. Jim wanted to enter a territory to work with a tribe that was unreached. Jim and four of his friends, who also were missionaries, had several friendly encounters with the tribe. Girls, are you done? So they decided to move in because they wanted to tell this tribe about who Jesus was. They were speared to death. All four of them. Their bodies lay in the river. They never got to tell this unreached tribe about Jesus. They gave their very lives to tell this tribe about Jesus. And the plan didn't exactly work. Except for Elizabeth. Elizabeth spent two years as a missionary. She went back to the very tribe that killed her husband. And she told them about the love of Jesus Christ. And they got saved. Who did Jim and Elizabeth love more? Themselves or Jesus? I don't know about you, but I have a hard time forgiving people. If someone were to kill someone that I care a lot about, ooh, I don't know that I would pull on Elizabeth. I'd probably want to beat him up, tell him what I really think. But in that moment, Tara loves Tara more than she loves Jesus. 
the very tribal people that killed her husband, speared him to death, she not only forgives them, she goes back and says, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you. And he's big enough to forgive you. Hey, I love you. Yes, you who killed my husband, who killed the father of my child, Jesus loves you. It's incredible. So we move on. I think it's frozen. Carmelia, you have to help me out, please. We move on to the process. The process. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Oh man, I don't have it up there. It's also known as the Great Commission. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. At this point, Jesus has died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb for three days. He came back to life. And he's given his disciples final instructions. And this is what it says, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a process. Number one, the disciples obeyed first in the here and now. God will never use you to change the world if he can't use you right here in San Angelo to change San Angelo. If you can't forgive someone in your family who's punked you out and done you wrong, God will never send you across the world to teach others about forgiveness. You just obey. Slow obedience is disobedience. If Jesus says do it, do it. If Jesus says don't do it, do it. It's that simple. The disciples obeyed. They went to the mountain. Number two, singing Jesus always leads us to worship. Some of you struggle to worship on Monday nights because you got your eyes on yourself for too long. You're not even trying to look at Jesus. You're just thinking about yourself. When you see Jesus for who he really is, it always ends in worship. Number three, Jesus said this, go make disciples and baptize. That's a command. That doesn't say, dear house of faith, you need to go make disciples. It says you, go and make disciples. It's your responsibility. It means to go and make followers of Jesus. And last, teach them to obey everything. Do you know why we teach you the things that we teach your house of faith? Because Jesus told us to. It's that simple. And it is not easy. It is not easy at all. Next we move on. To the promise. No, the people, sorry. 1040 window. Uh, the 1040 window is uh, it's where 66.67% of the world lives, which is 4.4 billion people. 85% of the people on the 1040 window are the poorest of the poor. You're incredibly rich compared to the rest of the world. Incredibly rich. You have no idea how rich you are. 
There are children in the world who are so hungry they will take dirt and water and they call it mud cakes or mud cookies depending on the country and they will eat that just to put something in their stomachs. You have no idea how rich you are. How incredibly rich you are. The fact that you have more than one set of clothes sets you apart. The fact that you have access to clean drinking water night and day sets you apart. The fact that you have a house or you have a car, or you have a family. The fact that you have an education, and most of you hate your education. You have no idea how much your life would suck if you didn't know how to read or write. You're incredibly rich, incredibly rich. 90% of the people in the 1040 window are unevangelized. What that means is they've never heard of Jesus Christ. You can keep going, Carmela. Here's the crazy part, 10% of the world's missionaries are working there. 90%, nine out of 10 people in that window, which sits above Africa and Asia, nine out of 10 people don't know who Jesus is. But one out of 10 missionaries is working there. You know why? Because it's dangerous. Because this is where ISIS lives. Because if you claim to know Jesus and follow Jesus, it might land you getting your head struck off. It's illegal. There's persecution. There's hardship. But we can't even get you guys to stop talking on a Monday night. The world is so much bigger than you ever will be. It's the 1040 window. And they call it that because it's 10 degrees latitude north. I'm going to just skip that part. Keep going, Carmen. The promise. God promises us three things. Number one is presence. It says this in scripture. Psalm 16a, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I guarantee Elizabeth Elliot used that verse. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Revelation 21.3 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying Behold the dwelling place of God Is with Man He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God himself will be with them As their God And Matthew 28.20 And surely I am with you always To the very end of the age Number two God's promise is presence That he's always with you God's promise is provision Provision is a fancy way of saying, look, God is going to hook you up. God will never ask you to do something and not give you what you need to do it. Did you catch that? God will never ask you to do something and not give you what you need to do it. He does that through giving us ears to hear the truth, a heart to believe, faith to step out, courage to keep going. And the last promise is, um, I forget what P word it is. It says this in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. Serve wholeheartedly. Whole 
heartedly. Not half-heartedly. You know what I'm talking about. You make your bed because you have to. It's like you just flip the cover, right? Or sometimes you, like, make the bed. <laughs> you know, like, you lift up the mattress, you tuck into the sheet, you fluff in the pillow. No? That's none of you? Okay. <laughs> We've got five OCD bed makers in here. Serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. God promises to be with you. He promises to give you what you need. And He promises that what you do for Him will never be a waste. Here's the point, and then I'm going to close out with a video and we'll be done. It is not about you. It never has been. It never will be. It is not about you. The world does not spit on your axis. There are thousands of people in the world who do not know Jesus Christ. Thousands, if not millions. They don't have a Bible. They don't have a house of faith. They don't have a 321. They don't have a church. There are believers in Asia, in South Korea and in North Korea. If they get caught praying, if they get caught saying the name of Jesus, they get thrown into prison. And don't think it's like our jail system here where they got cable TV and weights to lift. They get beaten. Here's the point. It's not about you. But, but here's my question for you is, do you really believe this thing? Because if you did, you would be doing something about it. But I think for a majority of us in this room, it's just a game. House of Faith is just what we do on Monday nights. God is the one that we pray to when things are hard, but when things are great, man, we don't have time for Him. It's not about you. There are thousands and thousands of people in the world who do not know about Jesus Christ, and they never will if we don't tell them. What are you doing with what you're learning at House of Faith? Some of you have grown up through this program your entire life, and all you have to show for it is 20 different House of Faith t-shirts. You know what? When Jesus Christ returns, those t-shirts are going to be crap. They're going to burn up in every single human on the planet. We'll either spend all of eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, or they will spend all of eternity in hell forever separated by God. And it's not the flames or the heat that should scare the mess out of us. It's the fact that we can be eternally separated from God. Forever. It's not going to matter when we stand before Jesus. You, your social media game. It's not going to matter. He's going to look at you and he's going to look at me and he's going to say, Tara, what did you do with the life I gave you? Oh, hey God. Well, you know, I kind of did the house thing for a little bit, but man, I just got tired. Monday nights were hard, so I just thought I'd go somewhere else and make more money, God. You understand, don't you? He's going to say, no, I don't. Because I paid a really high price for you, Tara, and I paid a really high price for the people of the world. Let me put it in perspective for you. Every single day, 151,600 people die. 6,316 people die each hour. That means we've been here about two hours. 
12,000 people have died just in the time that you've been here tonight. And, and what I'm asking is how many of those 12,000 people knew Jesus Christ? And, and how many of them didn't know because nobody told them? Because you're cool with Jesus on Monday night, but tomorrow when you go back to school, you're going to be cussing up a storm, and you're going to be repping your flag and your colors because you're too cool for God. And what I'm saying is it's crap. Like God wants to use you to change the world. This place ought to be packed on Monday nights. We, we should be running out of chairs, and every week we have more empty black chairs, which tells me that you don't get it, that, that you don't care. And I'm telling you, you have to care because of the time alone that you've been here tonight. 12,000 people have died. And how many didn't know Jesus? And they didn't know Jesus because you and I chose not to do something about it. It's a gift. It's good news. There are people desperate to know that there's a God who's real. There are people desperate to know that God is big enough to save the day. Every single minute, 105 people die. Every minute, 105. Lives hang in the balance. Every single life will either spend forever in heaven with Jesus or forever eternally separated from God in hell. Every minute, 105 people. Watch the clock tonight when you go home for a minute. 105 people will die. How many knew Jesus? How many didn't know? What will you do with what God has given you? Your heart, heart ought to break for the people in the world that don't know Jesus. Your heart should break for the people in the world who love Jesus and get persecuted. Tonight, there are men and women and children getting a snot beat out of them all because they were praying. It's illegal in some nations to bring Bibles into that nation. And so there are men and women of God who are smuggling the word of God into these closed nations. And we ought to be praying for them. We ought to be supporting them. We ought to be giving them money to get these Bibles into these nations so that people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But we don't because we can't even get you guys to listen on a Monday night. Real talk. What will you do with what you have been given? Every minute, 105 people, either forever in heaven with Jesus or forever eternally separated from Jesus in the pits of hell itself. What will you do with your life? What will you do with what you've been given? I'm going to pray and I'm going to close out with a video. And I want to explain this video to you. This video is just a worship song. We've sang it before. It's called How Great Is Our God. But it's the world edition, and here's why I like it. Because it shows people from all over the world, and they're all singing the same song, but they're singing it in their own language. Ever since I was a kid, I've wanted to move to Africa and live there. Man, I love Africa. But you know what? God wants me here right now. And I have to be okay with that. I've had the greatest adventure of my life serving Jesus. I've been in the country of Haiti more than 15 times, Honduras, Costa Rica, Kenya twice, Dominican Republic. I have friends literally all over the world. And I go thinking that I'm going to serve and be a blessing, but you know what it really is? Like God just wrecks me. <laughs> you know? 
I mean, I pack a bag and I wear an ugly skirt and a t-shirt and shoes that don't match and I eat weird food and I think that I'm going to bless these people, but really God is like, Tara, I need to show you something because you've got it all wrong. This video, I just want you to listen and I want you to think about who God is to you. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. If that's you, then come find me during the video. I'd love to tell you about it and we want to pray with you. But for the rest of you, I want you to watch the video and I want you to listen to the words. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow before Jesus Christ. Heaven is not American. God isn't white. God isn't American. And everyone gets to worship Jesus in their own language. It's incredible. It's incredible. What will you do with the life you've been given? What will you do with the Jesus you know. God, thank you for tonight. And God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for caring more about myself than I care about the people of the world. God, I'm sorry for the times that I want to give up when I think following you is just too hard. God, I'm sorry for the way that I think my life is all about me. God, I pray that you would burn in these students a desire to change the world. God, that you would give them dreams to go to travel groups where it's really dangerous and really scary. And God, that you would give them the boldness and courage of Eric Liddell and Jim and Elizabeth Elliott and countless others, God, Gladys. That you would give them, God, a burning heart for the loss of the world, God. That whatever breaks your heart would break our hearts, God. Help us to understand just how blessed we are. God, thank you for being a really, really good God. We pray tonight that you would save the world, Jesus. That you would reveal yourself to members of ISIS tonight, God. That you would reveal yourself to the prostitute in India tonight, God. That you would reveal yourself to the leadership of North Korea, God. And that you would rescue and redeem and restore and save, God, just like you did for us. We ask that you would do the same for them. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all be quiet and watch.